Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name's Doug Cunnington, and in this episode, we're going to hear about zero-volume keyword searches and when it makes sense to go for them. If you're a longtime listener of the show, you may recognize this topic. This is a rebroadcast, but it's from a long time ago. This is over 100 episodes ago, so there's a good chance you don't remember it. It'll be good to refresh your memory if you heard it before. And I had a guest, Evan Porter, who I actually met in person way back at this point when I was in the Atlanta area, and he came for a meetup back back in those days when we could have meetups and we didn't have to wear masks and things were a little more normal. We actually went to a restaurant, we hung out and chatted with each other, we shook hands, drank beer, and ate some food. It was a good time, met, met quite a few folks that day. Hopefully, we'll be able to do some meetup again sometime soon. Evan gives us a good breakdown in the interview on when he targets zero search volume keywords. And even though it's been you know, a year plus since we recorded this, the ideas still hold up. That's the good thing about you know, some obscure kind of topic like this. Usually it, it's not changing dramatically over time. And I'll give you my quick little notes about zero search volume keywords. Typically, if a keyword is suggested by Google via auto-suggest, so you go to the Google search field, you start typing in a word or a phrase, and then Google suggests automatically a couple keywords for you, I will go for those. I know that people are searching for it even though it's showing up as a zero search volume. Now, the thing is, with any keyword, you should always Google the term ahead of time before you publish content to make sure your your site or whatever you're trying to rank is similar to what is ranking. For example, if all YouTube videos were ranking for a specific term, I know that I probably need to publish a YouTube video if I want it to rank. If I publish a blog post, it's probably not going to rank for that term because YouTube is ranking for most of the top positions. The other time is uh, related searches. So when you search on Google, you see the results page, you scroll down to the bottom, there's going to be a handful of keywords that are related. So if If I see those, I usually will go for it. I know people are searching for it, even though it may show up as a zero search volume. The other part of the equation here is search volumes or estimates, all right? So if you see zero listed for the search volume, but you know it's an auto-suggest, you also know that people are searching for it. So there's a piece of uncertainty with the search volumes. And I am actually not super familiar with some of the, I guess, behind the scenes search volume data that is available. I thought back in the day that you could get search volumes like directly from Google and their keyword planner. And over the last year or two, I heard that there was like a third party that would aggregate data and then sell the data to the search research companies. Basically, any company that had like a keyword research tool, they would like buy this data and then they would 
process it, massage the data, go through some algorithm to come up with their search volumes for a given term. And it was brought to my attention, I actually need to, to study this and maybe do some research. But basically, one of the main sources for these keyword research companies and the tools, one of the main sources for that data is no longer providing that data. I think there was some privacy issues with the way that they were obtaining data because I didn't do research ahead of time. I, I'm, I'm not going to repeat what I heard, but it sounded like they were just getting data without people's permission. So classic sort of privacy issue. That said, I don't even know where a lot of these companies are getting their keyword search volume data. But as long as we have some idea in a relative sense how some keywords relate to others, it gives us enough information to move forward. And that's one of the reasons why the keyword golden ratio still works, even though we are dealing with estimates with the keyword search volumes. And I know that's debatable. Some people think, hey, you shouldn't even use keyword research tools. You should do research in other ways. And I'm sure everything can work out fine. I'm not really here to like preach like my way is the best or anything like that. I think if you can use a variety of tools, you're probably getting hopefully the best of each of those worlds. So I've rambled on a little bit. I'm going to send it over to the interview with Evan. Hey, what's going on? Doug Cunnington here, and I'm chatting with Evan Porter again. How are you? Hey, Doug, I'm good. I'm glad to be back again. Time number four. This is great. And Evan, I actually remember the last time we chatted a couple weeks ago, you were wearing the same shirt, man. What's up with that? Yeah, it's a weird, it's a sort of weird coincidence. I don't know what's going on. So today we're going to talk about zero search volume keywords. And you were kind enough, Evan, to write a post for Niche Site Project. Very popular. And this is a, a great topic for us to talk about um, just because it's confusing. Because why would we even like talk about a zero search volume term? So can you just kind of like lay out the framework of what we're going to get into today. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, yeah, if you've been following my story and my updates, like, you know that I'm a writer. I've written a lot of the content for my sites myself. I would say I've written over 200 posts in the past year and a half or so, personally. Uh, so I have a lot of data on which kinds of keywords have worked for me, which ones haven't, um, and, you know, different trends that I see. And, you know, I've noticed something really interesting that occasionally I'll go after a keyword that has zero searches per month according to, you know, whatever volume tool that that you use. Um, I typically use keywords everywhere because it's, it's easy and it's free. But I've noticed that sometimes those posts go on to perform super, super well in terms of organic traffic. I have a few that have even become like my best performing posts. And other times those zero volume posts keywords just totally flop and they bring in barely any traffic, which you would expect because they have zero volume. So uh, I really kind of wanted to get to the bottom and, and figure out what the driving factors were of like what makes a good zero volume keyword versus a bad one. Cool. And quick note, um, the search volume tools, right? All of the search volume tools are using some algorithm and estimating what they think the search volume is for a given term. And e e actually even Google, like if you have access to like the 
uh, keyword planner and you see the data, like they're averaging out the previous 12 months. And I'm pretty sure that numbers that they're using, even do the average, are not exactly right. Um, so even the data from Google is just an estimate. So if they, if whatever search tool you use says it's a zero search volume, then it's not actually zero. It's probably like rounded in some fashion. So a extreme example would be like, a seasonal term, say something about Christmas lights or something like that. Like it may be zero for most of the year and then it spikes and it's huge for, you know, one month or maybe two months. So if you average it out, it may show it's like a higher search volume than it is, but probably in, you know, April, very few people are searching for like Christmas light terms. So just remember the search volumes are just an estimate out there. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Definitely would agree with that. And yep. And I've seen exactly what you mentioned sometimes, like some of these terms, like you don't expect them to do anything. And then they have like a huge, uh, like set of, or a huge amount of traffic going to them. So you have discovered the secret (laughs) of like identifying the good ones and the bad ones, or at least some trends. So tell us about that. Yeah, this is the 100% guaranteed, uh, no <laughs> idiot proof solution to uh, getting organic traffic. No, um, yeah, so I, I've written a number of these zero volume keywords. And like, I, I'm the kind of person who likes to test things out. Like, I'm not going to ask whether I should or shouldn't. I'm just going to do it and see like what happens and get myself some data that I can work with. And yeah, like I said, I, I've seen them totally flop and I've seen them do well. And so one of the trends that I've noticed when I do my keyword research, which I often do like in Google itself, that's where I do a lot of my keyword hunting. I'll type in STEM keywords into the Google search bar, see what comes up in the auto auto suggest, play the kind of alphabet soup game, adding certain letters, seeing what pops up, um, reading related searches. Uh, people also ask all those little like features inside Google to get ideas. And yeah, when I, I mean, you'll typically see keywords suggested by Google that have zero volume when you do that. And the trend that I noticed was often you see these like clusters of keywords suggested by Google that are almost exactly the same thing. Uh, and they all have zero or very low volume in these cases. So, you know, I think the example in the post I used was, uh, you know, when is the best uh, when's the best time to go to the grocery store? Just the kind of informational keyword someone might ask if they're, they want to beat the crowds, right? At the bottom of that search result, there's like eight other related searches that are asking almost exactly the same thing. And they're all zero volume, all very low volume. And to me, what that indicates is that that's a topic with a lot of interest that's kind of disguised as a bunch of zero volume keywords. And so if you write a post that covers that topic thoroughly, like there's a pretty good chance you can cash in on a lot of that traffic. Okay. So until like break it down a little bit here. So there's a lot of different ways for a searcher to ask for that information. So instead of having like everyone's like ask, uh, what's the best time to go to the grocery store? You may see like a bunch of different variations, maybe like say like, I'm just going to make up an example, like 25 different variations. And maybe each one of those is like getting searched for like eight times or something. So like when you, in aggregate, like that's, that's actually a decent term, but it doesn't show up. 
because it's like spread so thin because people are just searching in like different ways, right? Yeah, exactly. I think uh, it it's just the nature of the topic. Like people aren't always going to phrase it the exact same way. It's not quite like, you know, X product review where that's going to get pretty much everybody's going to write it the same way, more or less. Like this is, these are those terms that are just, there's a million different ways you could phrase them and there's no accounting for that. And this is true of a lot of keywords, not just zero volume, but it's a good indicator um, that a zero volume term may have more interest in that general topic. It's just that people aren't phrasing it the same way. I like to use Google in the same way that you're mentioning, especially for these kind of keywords where it's like auto suggest and related searches, because obviously um, Google's telling you that people are searching for those. Have you found any other tools um, to provide that information or are you primarily using Google to uh, tease out these zero volume keywords? Yeah, I'm primarily using Google. Um, and that's the interesting thing about doing keyword research in Google is that they typically aren't going to suggest a keyword to you unless it gets some searches. Like if it's, if it's never been searched before, they're not going to suggest it to you. Um, and so that actually brings us to kind of the opposite of the of these keyword clusters, which is zero volume keywords that really don't have any contextual uh, similarities to the keywords that Google's suggesting. I think in the post I called them island keywords because they're just kind of plopped there in the middle of the related searches and they aren't really actually related at all to the other things that Google is suggesting. And so when my experience, when you write a post on a keyword like that, you typically aren't going to get a whole lot of traffic because it's very narrow in scope and uh, you're not capturing those clusters and those additional long tail keywords. Gotcha. But you would still go for it? Potentially, I mean, you won't get zero traffic. I'll tell you that much. I mean, you'll probably. I mean, in the post on Niche Site Project, uh, I posted an example or two, and you know, you'll get fifty, a hundred, hundred fifty page views a month on a keyword like that. I mean, that's been my experience, which is pretty good for a keyword that supposedly has <laughs> zero searches per month. But uh, you know, on the other hand, I think you can do a lot better if you're strategic about how you target those zero volume terms with the you know the clusters. Nice. And, you know, we haven't mentioned it explicitly, but the fact that there's zero search volume, generally, that means the competition's like probably going to be pretty low um, because the, you know, the common knowledge, the common wisdom would be if it's zero search volume, don't go for it, right? Like no one's searching for it, it's zero, right? So don't go for it. However, we know because of all the reasons we just said that some people are indeed searching for it and um, you're probably going to get some traffic. But the cool part is like you can usually just publish it. You usually don't need any backlinks and like you'll get a little bit of traffic. So very cool. Now, when you have identified a cluster of these um, keywords, you kind of get the idea of like what the person searching for. How do you actually write the content for that? Yeah, it's a good question because the reason that I kind of figured out this technique in the first place was because I was having trouble deciding which keyword to use (laughs) because they're all kind of the same. And uh, you have to just, uh, you know, in my experience, you just have to pick one, the one that sounds the best uh, and make a judgment call. And then you can use those, those similar keywords, you know, sprinkled throughout the post. Um, But you don't need to worry too much about getting the keywords exactly right. It's more of a topical post. And so you're trying to capture all of these in one post that covers the topic thoroughly. It's not really about the exact keywords you use, but they are good to sprinkle in here and there. Okay. 
and then more details, right? So for the URL slug, do you put like the full phrase in there or do you try and mix it up and add some variation in, in the URL slug as well? Yeah, I actually, um, I just keep my URL slugs really simple to like two or three words. And I don't really, I mean, they are related to the keyword and they're descriptive, but I don't think very carefully about how they relate to the exact search phrase. And your experience, has that made a difference? No, no, (laughs) I I do what you say. I mean, like generally for everything, if you're just good enough, if it's close enough, that's fine. Um, Yeah. You know, you wrote, you wrote the blog post and you, you see the questions that some of the people ask, which we'll potentially get into in a moment. But like, I mean, people love the details, but like so many of the deep details don't matter and they're just a waste right. of time. So when people are like, um, actually I just answered a question on YouTube today. Someone was like, um, I found a keyword golden ratio term. It's seven words long. And to put that in the URL is going to be quote bad for SEO, which that's a whole other point, which we could argue, but we're not going to. Mm -hmm. And they were like, should I put it in there or not, not do it? Or what should I do? And the answer is you can do whatever you want. It probably doesn't matter. There's like a million other factors that are way more important. Um, but yeah, in general, a short, simple URL is probably a good idea. Um, but it probably doesn't matter too much. So Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I think that, uh, you'd want to overthink these things. Like if you find a cluster of zero volume keywords or very low volume keywords that you want to combine into one post, like you just have to think like what information does this person want that's looking for this stuff and give them that. And like the keywords themselves aren't going to be make or break. It may be better if you use certain ones versus not, but like the general concept is to provide the information. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. And you have an idea of like what they're looking for. So you should be able to probably do it. Now, um, I have like a specific example um, of something that that you can do. Um, So if you make a decision, like you find uh, like a set of the, a cluster of these keywords, you pick a term that you're generally focusing on. That's the title. You use the other keywords in there publish it, see what happens, check back in a month or two in your search console, use SEMrush, Ahrefs, whatever tool you want to use, see what else it's ranking for. And then potentially you could optimize, re-optimize or change it up a little bit. And the example, cause, cause really like that's real data, right? Everything else is just us guessing. Yep. So once you get the real data, um, you could do something with it. And my example is for niche site project, um, I had, I have a post which I don't, I didn't even look for search volume for it because I knew people were asking for it, but it's like the disclaimer for an Amazon affiliate site. I published the content. It started, you know, ranking pretty well. And I think I used like disclaimer in the title, but then I saw, um, on some tool, I don't remember which one that, uh, disclosure was mm-hmm. one of the more popular terms. So I just changed the title, left the URL slug whatever it was. And then it's fine. It's also very short content. Cause that's like someone wants an answer. They don't want to hear me like talk about a bunch <laughs> of other stuff that's not really related. So, yeah. so if anybody wants an example, you could like check that out on niche site project. So, yeah, that's a cool example. And I, I had someone um, reach out to me after I published this post uh, on your site and they were like, well, you know, clearly what's happening here is, 
you're writing these zero volume uh, articles, but you're accidentally hitting on bigger keywords that are bringing in all that traffic. So like, why don't you just look for the bigger keywords in the first place? And I was like, well, sometimes you don't know, right? <laughs> like you find zero volume keywords naturally during your research and then this is a way to vet them. Like you're never gonna know every possible variation of that topic that people could search for. So you work with what you can see. And yeah, like that's a great method is using the search console to figure out what you might have missed and then re-optimizing later for it. Interesting. And and you know what, that person that, um, you know, that example, like, I don't know how to respond because like as as I've like learned more and more, I'm just like, I I don't know. I don't know the answer to anything. I was like, (laughs) you just have to like try it, publish it and then go on because I'm like, yeah, why don't we look for the bigger keywords? And I'm like, maybe we already found them. I I have no idea. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Well, and the, you know, the disclaimer obviously is like you always have to look at the search results and see if you can actually compete for it. Like, like you said, probably it's going to be low competition. But uh, yeah, I mean, if huge authority sites uh, are covering this topic really well on the first page, then you know maybe you shouldn't go for it. Indeed. Now, did you by chance um, like publish a fairly large number of these um, over a stretch of time by by chance? It's really, I published probably a dozen of these, so it's based on uh, a smaller data set, but it's kind of just a trend that I've noticed and and something I'm kind of curious to test further, yeah. Okay, and the reason why I ask is like, these potentially could bring in a, you know, a lot of like long tail keywords that you weren't intending on ranking for, like the the cluster idea that we're we're talking about a lot here, but I know... um, I've seen on Ahrefs, because the graphs are nice, um, if you do publish a bunch of content like this, you may see like just a lot of keywords that you're ranking for in the like 10 to 100 range. So maybe not bringing in much traffic, but all of a sudden you're going along and you see like, oh, there's a whole lot more, uh, or there are many more keywords that you're ranking for that you weren't. So kind of a weird way to frame that, but did you observe that too, or you just had so much content on your site that it was kind of like below the Yeah, radar? I have so much content on my site <laughs> that, uh, I mean, I'm typically in a boat where like I publish something and I don't think about it for a couple months until I come back and, and kind of see how it's doing. But it's rare that I'm going to do a huge deep dive on like, like one post to see how it's doing. You know what I mean? Yep. And I, relate a hundred percent. It's only like after you like publish a bunch and then you realize that things are disorganized and you don't have a handle and you're like, Oh, I need to go back and have a look. And then you realize that, you know, you should do one or two, one or two things here or (laughs) you make the observation or whatever. So, yeah. Um, you have a little checklist here about how to vet these zero volume keywords. So I didn't tell you to memorize this so i'll read it out for you and then you can <laughs> you can uh fill right, in any ready. gaps so first See if is, i remember any of this <laughs> yeah we could we could quiz you on it so right. <laughs> um the first one is is the keyword like suggested as an auto suggest or um as a related search so fairly straightforward nothing much to add there agreed the next one is, does the, does it make sense as a topic? So does the keyword make sense as a topic? So any, anything to add there? Uh, no, not really. I mean, you mentioned it yourself that you recently wrote something without doing keyword research because you, you knew people wanted to hear about it. And so I think you can use a little bit of common sense, like 
if something just seems really, really obscure and it has zero volume and Google suggested it, but it doesn't make any sense to you, then, uh, you know, maybe pass. But you kind of, if you know the niche a little bit, like you can get a good idea of what a solid topic is. Cool. And then you mentioned this one already. So you should check the actual results and, and ask yourself, can I compete with the top results? So do you have any guidelines on how you would have make that evaluation? Yeah. When I look at the first page search results, I'm always looking at relevance and authority. So relevance to the actual search phrase. So um, are people actually answering the question or is Google just throwing other stuff up, up there because nothing good exists? Um, and then the authority of the site's ranking. Is it other blogs? Is it uh, forums? Is it Reddit? You know, is it low comp- uh, low authority sources like that? Or are you competing against like huge media brands and authority sites that have already um, covered something similar? So you can make your own uh, bar for where you want to go after things and where you don't, depending on how strong your site is, how confident you are in your ability to compete. But those are the two things that I look for. Okay, cool. And I'll just mention on that, you can have a look um, and, you know, look for the relevancy, look at how strong the competition is, but like you still don't really know. Right. And at this point for me, I'll usually probably go for it um, just because like the cost to do that is relatively low in the grand scope versus me like trying to figure it out like something that you can't figure out. So <laughs> um, I know you write a lot of your content. Do you Are you sort of in that camp too where you're like, oh, I'll just go for it and see how it goes? Yeah, I think uh, the older and more grisly I get, I'm just like, ah, screw it. I'm just going <laughs> to... I'm going to write it. It's fine if I rank number four. Like, I'll probably get some traffic on it. You know, I mean, I, I give it a look. Like, I try to really ask myself if I think that I can be in the top, you know, couple spots. Uh, and, you know, you can often win out just with a better headline, you know, because of the click-through rates and things like that. So, yeah, there's a million factors. Uh, you don't want to overthink it too badly. If it's a good topic and it's not completely saturated, like, yeah, give it a shot. See what happens. Cool. And the last on your checklist is asking yourself, is it a cluster keyword or an island keyword? So I guess you want me to to recap that really quick, like what those are. So uh, yeah, the cluster keywords are when you kind of go to the bottom of the Google search results and and Google gives you like 10 related searches. When those are all kind of around the same topic and they're all very low volume or, or all zero volume and they're all just variations of the same question over and over and over again, that's a cluster. Um, the alternative to that would be like the island keyword where it, there aren't really any other relevant related searches that Google is bringing up. Uh, and it's kind of on its own in the middle of some unrelated searches, I would call them. Okay, cool. Now, this all sounds really good. And I want to caution people. Um, don't go for too many, right? Like I wouldn't ever build a site with like, I'm going to target all zero search volume keywords. That's dumb, right? Don't, don't do that. Um, I think if you have a handful, like you said, you have about a dozen that you've published over time and you have well over a hundred posts, right? Just in that sort of. Yeah. Over, over 200. Yeah. Okay. So we're talking like 5% or so. Yeah. Okay. And that's, 
actually that's good because I've thrown out like, Hey, if you went, you know, five, 10%, that's probably okay. Like you'll get some data and information and, you know, maybe, you know, like you said, if you observe one of these uh, keywords, you find one, you will maybe just write something, put it up. It just needs to be good enough. And then if you want to, right, if you start getting traffic, you can go back make it a little better. Maybe you have a better idea of like what the users are looking for. And again, use real data from your actual site versus just like, all right, I'm just going to publish a bunch of content that maybe very few people are searching for. So do you have anything to add there uh, or any insights? No, that's uh, that's exactly what I would say. I mean, I think you want to go for a diversity of search volumes and, you know, see what your site can actually compete for and like, uh, I, sometimes I like to publish similar posts that go after similar keywords with different volumes and kind of observe which ones rank fastest and, and how things go. And yeah, I just like encourage people to test things out and then get real data that you can make decisions from. Cool. Now, you didn't put this in the article, but as we were just chatting, I was like, oh, I have an idea. And I think I've done this in the past, but didn't frame it in this way. So let's say you find a handful of these like related sort of keywords. Maybe you find a few of these like zero search volume keywords and you publish content, right? And then you're, you're ranking for these, right? You're, you're ranking pretty well. You're not getting a ton of traffic, maybe more than you expect. But at that point, you can build a lot of links like interlinks through your site and potentially help boost traffic and boost the rankings on your site. So have you done any of that or do you have any thoughts about like the, this conceptual sort of idea? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that every post like has some value. Uh, like you said, like I don't have any data to support this necessarily, but I, I believe that the more you publish on a certain topic, the more authority you gain in Google's eyes on that topic. So yeah, if you have a post about topic A, but it's not really getting traffic, like it's still valuable for linking to other posts on that topic. Um, and I, I'm always a, a follower of, I think it was your advice to always have two links going out and two links coming in to, <laughs> to every post. So that's, that's just the way that I do it um, and the way that I've been doing it, at least two. Um, so yeah, that's been working out pretty well. Cool. And I think, um, I think... I heard it was like uh, Kyle Roof, who I interviewed, uh, depending on when we publish this, it may be out or it may be coming up soon, but a uh, very smart SEO. He does a lot of experiments. Do you, have you heard of Kyle Roof? Do you know this guy? No, I have not. No, I have not. Okay. So he does like SEO experiments um, and like does it in a scientific way, but he mentioned the term of uh, like a virtual silo. So a silo is like where you're very intentionally architecting a site um, you have like a parent and child relationship and it's intentional linking. Now, I don't think the, you know, the intentional like architecture is so important, but I think the linking is Kyle sort of like, uh, you know, he, he gave me some credit, um, for that idea as far as like, I guess it's valid, right? So he called it a virtual silo and the idea is like intentionally linking, these uh, sort of related topics so that there's relevancy. It makes sense to link to them. It adds value for like the visitor if they wanted to research more. And it sounded like that's a, a great approach to like have an intentional way to do it. So you could do it with these like very low volume search terms and Hey, it's great to be able to get a link from 
some term that's ranking like, you know, in the top three or something like that versus a, a you know, some post that's not ranking anywhere at all. So yeah. you can sort of take advantage of this and put it together with other ideas of interlinking and sort of architecting your site in like a more intentional way. So very long thought, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, cool. I, would, I would agree with that. Yeah. I mean, like you said, uh, these zero volume keywords are often very low competition and, and pretty quick to rank for if you've uh, if you find the right ones. So yeah, I mean I, I can definitely see a lot of value in building up a small bank of posts on a certain topic that rank highly and then that can disperse authority throughout your site. Yep. Awesome. So Evan, any other thoughts on this sort of stuff before we tell people where they could find you? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think we covered it pretty thoroughly. I would just like, I feel like you have to put the disclaimers in everywhere. Like, uh, you know, you're not guaranteed to get a certain amount of traffic uh, when you go after these things. It's just just my experience and, and trends that I've seen. And uh, it's worked out pretty well for me overall. But I'd be curious to hear everyone's thoughts if they try it and they find these clusters, they find other sorts of zero volume keywords. Like, be curious, like, let me know in the comments on the post or uh, you can head over to wordsbyevanporter.com and, and find me there. Thanks to Evan. Be sure to check out his blog. I'm going to put a link in the show notes here. He has a recent update from just a couple days ago where he talks about December of 2020 and the year-end wrap-up, which is pretty cool. I'll leave the details to Evan so you'll go check out the info there. But he actually got hit by the December algorithm update. However, he still pulled in over $12,000 in December. And overall, he made over $110,000 from his few sites that he's running. So be sure to check it out. And I'm going to be emailing Evan to see what's up, see if he'll join me and tell me about what's going on with his business. So like I said, be sure to check out his updates out there. I want to give a plug to myself. I'm going to plug myself and say I have my multi-profit site course back out there. It is, uh, it's an interesting situation. So in the past, I've only launched my courses a few times a year. And then I did have what's called an evergreen funnel where people would join the email list for Niche Site Project and they would get a essentially a special offer with a deadline that was specific to them. There's a lot of technology and setup behind it. It's kind of a pain in the ass to set up, to be honest with you. And I changed my platform, how I was serving up my courses and that sort of thing. So a lot, some of the technology went away. Part of that is the evergreen funnel went away. So I am launching multi-profit site and during this launch week, you will be able to get some uh, additional bonuses, bonuses that haven't been offered before. I'll put a link in the show notes here so you can check it out. And if you're listening to this sometime in the future, not during launch week, which is January 11th through the 15th of 2021, if you're listening some other time, you should still be able to follow the link and see the latest information for multi-profit site. And I appreciate it if you do take a look, 
it's not for everyone. You do have to uh, do a lot of, I mean, this stuff isn't necessarily uh, easy to accomplish. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of coming in, sitting at your computer, doing the research, doing the writing, hiring people, that sort of thing. But this course is a proven framework. A lot of people have gone through it. A lot of people have been successful after they you know, put the time in sitting at the keyboard. Please shoot me an email, feedback at doug.show if you have any show ideas or questions. Questions are fantastic. Those are pretty much like show ideas. And you can leave a voicemail if you want to. In the show notes here, there's a phone number. You could just call in and then ask your question. I've put basically 100% of the people that wanted to leave a voicemail on the show. Sometimes the audio was a little rough. Sometimes the questions were a little unclear, but I always was able to pull like a little bit of a clip and, you know, rephrase a question if needed. I appreciate everyone that does ask and participate, give me feedback. Very helpful. Really do appreciate it. There's another thing I need feedback on. I'm doing this dry January thing, which is going well, by the way. I really haven't been tempted to crack open a beer which is positive, I think, overall. One, one thing that helped is we had some work done by some contractors. They had to redo the ceiling, basically, in, a, in the main living area of the house. So the kitchen, the living room, everything was kind of unusable for several days. It really kicked us out of our normal routine, which was helpful because part of the normal routine is you reach the afternoon portion of the day, you finish your work, and it's really easy to go over to the fridge, grab a beer, or head to the kegerator and pull a pint. And all that was put into disarray. I mean, uh, we couldn't even get to the refrigerator or to like wash our sink or wash our hands in, in the sink there. So that was actually helpful. But here's the thing I need help with. I will be documenting and doing a video on this process of going dry for January. I have some insights, plus I guess I watch a lot of those YouTube channels that are kind of about self-improvement, although I'm not the kind of person who's like addicted to self-improvement and constantly trying to do a thing. But I do like watching those channels, so I guess I'm trying to distance myself from it, but I'm really into it. So maybe I should just own it. The point is, I was thinking I was going to publish this dry January video on my normal YouTube channel where, of course, I talk about affiliate marketing and SEO and that sort of thing. There's some random stuff on there, but that's the core of it. There's a lot of keyword research, of course. My thought is, maybe I should start a new channel where I just have these sort of self-improvement challenges or things that are more in that genre versus making money online. I know getting the first set of subscribers on a channel could take a very long time. Even if you have another channel, it can be pretty hard to get people on to a new channel with a different topic area. And I'm really, I'm kind of not sure. So if you do have an opinion on it, if you happen to be a YouTube expert or something like that, shoot me an email. I'd love to 
get your opinion on it. Even if you're not an expert, I would love to hear from you. I've published a lot of other random stuff on my channel, and I know basically if people are not interested in me going on a vacation and watching my vlogs, it's not going to get that many views. Now, I'm not sure if it matters from a keyword research standpoint and a traffic generation standpoint, like if someone goes to YouTube and they search for how to plan an Alaska road trip, maybe my videos would pop up there, but my normal viewers wouldn't really pay attention. And I've kind of, I've tested this and kind of experimented. One case in point, if you want to go do a little research, I created a video because I needed to make a USB bootable drive to restore Windows 10, but I don't have a Windows machine. So I had to figure out how to do this using my Mac. It was pretty difficult to figure out how to do that. I found a blog post that went through the process, but it was a little bit out of date and it wasn't accurate. I saw a comment that had a link and I followed that link and then I went through the process Basically, it was very difficult to figure out. I did try to search on YouTube, but nothing quite lined up with what I was looking for. And any of the videos that were kind of close, they were, it was very strange. It was like a screen share of a terminal on your Mac. People are typing code and then they were playing like some sort of electronic music. I don't know, it was very incongruent. I didn't know what they were trying to do. I felt like I was in a club or something. It was very strange. So I thought to myself, hey, this is a video. This is a task that people are trying to figure out how to do. They have a problem and they're trying to solve it. So I published a video on how to create a bootable Windows 10 Restore USB drive. And it didn't get too many views in the beginning. But slowly over time, it's getting more and more views. Now, it's not a big moneymaker or anything like that, but it was interesting to publish a video that was completely outside of what I normally publish, but just very slowly it's pulling in search traffic because people are searching for that specific thing and there's not that many good answers for it. So I am completely torn. I'm not sure what to do. I think there are some channels where it's just a mix of random stuff and they make it work. And then there's some other channels that are very tightly focused on a specific area. And maybe those tightly focused channels get a, a little bit more organic growth because they are able to really deliver the content that the viewers and subscribers are expecting week after week. There's not just random stuff thrown in, in there. And I am prone to do those sort of tangent kind of things. Look back on this podcast about a year ago, my wife and I recorded several episodes where we just talked about Tiger King. All right. That is completely out of nowhere. It was random. We were just drinking beer, watching a, watching a show, wasting some time. <laughs> it was pretty fun, but it was absolutely random. And those weeks, I mean, I could see not that many people listen to it, but I mean, still, there's like a few hundred people that do, which is kind of crazy to me. Anyway, I'm rambling on at this point. It's time to go work out. So have a good day out there. 
We'll catch you on the next episode.